1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: Hey, everybody, you are in for a real treat today. We have Miss Vonda Copeland from Manhattan, Kansas, Copeland Insurance with us. And I am looking forward to having a conversation with her and learning more about what they're doing in their agency, how they're using technology, how they are handling their producers. So for those of you that are power producers out there, you have got to realize that there are people who are helping you be successful. And I want to hear their perspective on what they're doing to make sure that you look good. So Vonda, it is really good to have you on here today. I have gotten to hear you speak several times and gotten to know you and Jay just a little bit over the course of the last couple of years. So it's truly a pleasure to have you on here today to talk with us.
2: Thanks, David. I'm excited to see where this goes because (laughs) I know that, you know, there's, there's just no telling. There
1: There is no telling at all. It's funny. I was uh, talking with Greg Hogan. We, we were, we have a little mastermind group that we formed after innovation this year. There's five or six of us in there and we bounce ideas off of each other and, and all of that. And Greg, uh, Greg had posted what his COVID plans were for opening up post-COVID because, like a lot of us, he has people that just want to keep working remote at this point. But it presents an, uh, you know, an awkward situation if you're like me and you're in an office and, you know, you have uh, female employees, team members that could come in. You don't want to put yourself or them in a position where it's literally. Just you in one member of the opposite sex. I've always made that in my career that I would never put myself in that kind of a situation. And uh, that's one of the things that Greg was talking about is how am I going to rotate people in and out so that it's never always just two people there. And I read the I read his plan and I liked what he was looking at doing. And I was at a stoplight, and then the stoplight turned, and I never got back to him. I completely forgot about it until like 11 o'clock last night. And I'm like, hey, man, by the way, great plan. Uh, squirrel, in. Yeah. We're out. So, anyhow, you're right. We never know where it's going to go. Well, listen, you know, I am sure that the overwhelming majority of people who are listening to this are going to know who you are. But why don't you tell them a little bit about uh, you, the agency, how you got involved? Because looking at the history, the agency's been around since 1960. Jay got involved in 82 and I'm I'm interested in were you there in 82 when that happened or were you you know sort of come, came in after the fact and just talk a little bit about that for us
2: Well we are we are based in Manhattan, Kansas and as you said the original agency started in the 60s in a little town that's about 20 minutes from where we sit now in a town called Riley, Kansas. Jay's folks uh, actually took over that agency His dad was a field rep for a a regional carrier at the time, and he called on that agency. The the man was going to retire and needed somebody to take it over. So his folks jumped in, and that's how they got to the area that we live in now. Um, Jay came in uh, after college. He went in in 82. Um, I did not. um, I originally had gone to college for accounting and then went my second Second semester of my junior year, and had this big panic attack like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be put in a, cu- a cubicle somewhere, crunching <laughs> numbers. Nobody's going to be able to talk to me. I'm just going to be running people's tax returns or something like that. And I just didn't think that sounded fun at all. And so I jumped ship. I kind of looked at the hours I had, had a lot of obviously math and social sciences. So that translated into a math and social sciences education degree. <laughs> so my first job was actually teaching middle school math. and Wow. Um, I got so hired sounds a
3: little bit worse year. than accounting. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, my first job, I was hired late in the season. So I, my first job was teaching middle school math. And when the principal was giving me my tour of the school, he said, I really apologize for your last hour. Um, and I'm like, okay, what's my last hour? And basically it was the eighth graders that were operating at a fifth grade level. So Mm. I'm like, Ooh, fun. Um, but I learned a lot from them. It was, it was seriously the worst hour of the day. Why would anybody put that the last hour of the day? Um, but you know, I learned a lot from those kids and some of those kids are the ones I remember their names. Um, I remember the one that, he and his mom were living in a garage um, because she had just lost her job. Um, I had the opportunity of being at an obstetrician appointment and having somebody call my name from behind me. And I turned around and it's like, oh, okay. Um, I'm, you know, whatever age I was at the time, and, and you're 15. This has got to be scary. Um, and so it, it, it was an eye opening experience for me to have those kids. And and I really truly believe that everything you do in life feeds into who you become, no matter how how off it you think it can be. But that was really my my first chance to really look behind the curtain of what was going on in some of these kids' life, and and I still feel that way today. That I you know you had that opportunity to look behind the curtain, and uh, and I do a lot of work now with foster kids, and uh, we host foster teen camps. I'm on the board and. I've coached and cleaned toilets and done about everything. But, you know, you, once you look behind that curtain, there's no looking back. Um, So I taught school for a while and then um, did that for about 16 years. Wow. then um, what, and at the time when I was teaching, I would still help Jay. You know, Jay went into the family agency. But one thing, if you've ever known Jay, he is... You know, somebody called him the Godfather of Insurance one time, and that really is true. That's awesome. (laughs) It's like somebody'll be talking about something, and he says, "Oh, that's a difference in conditions coverage," and everybody else in the room's like, "I don't even never heard of that." And he explains it, and and you know, to tap into his brain is just you know, and he's always selling. You know, (laughs) we will be driving down the road, and he'll hand me his phone, take a picture of the side of that truck. You know, we don't have that Um, because he is always one hundred percent on point. And, you know, early in life, that was really irritating. Now I get it, you know, and the agents that we have, it was kind of funny when they turn in their production sheets, you know, what was your source? And One of the kids was like, the guy was wearing a sweatshirt that was at the next table when Jay and I had lunch. And Jay took a picture of a sweatshirt and said, here, call on them. And then, man, it was a construction company that he would have builder's risks and had referrals and stuff. And on that sheet, it would always say, sweatshirt guy you know, so, we knew that. so if you, if you you know if you've been with him it's just an intense ride and so every time he would try to you know he would do something you know or we added an office here in Manhattan at the time I you know his family wasn't always really on board with with you know bold expansion <laughs> um, going outside of your comfort zone and so I would end up like nights and weekends I would be helping him get that going um, but then, um, you know, just to jump to the, to the dark side, um, David made a comment on, you made a comment on Facebook the other day about the beginning of your, of, you know, Florida risk insurance and how it came out of a dark time. And, you know, I looked at that and I think I even commented about, you know, sometimes that's, you know, how, how the best things come about. Uh, but I had a a time period where, uh, back in 1999, my mom, who lived just six miles away from us, um, she worked in a bank. And during Y2K, when they thought banks were stockpiling money, some random guy targeted that bank for a bank robbery and targeted her as the one he was going to kidnap and have her let him into the bank rob this bank. And so, long story short, she didn't help him he he actually killed her in the house that i grew up with in. oh my, oh my goodness! and my dad was a bus driver at the time he was a retired farmer and driving a school bus so he'd left the house at 6:30 that morning and the and the guy came in you know shortly after that he'd been watching Jesus. for my dad to drive off um so little town 400 people um kind of rocked our worlds for a, a long time and the problem was you know you have a police department that that's they don't deal with that every day. It's tough. And there was some clues, but not a lot of clues. And it was so random that it took them four years to solve this crime. And 85% of women that are, are killed are killed by their husbands or significant others. So even though my dad was part of that 15%, it was horrible for him because every time the case would go cold, they'd come back on him. And so not only were we dealing with all of that? We were dealing with having to protect my dad and keep them directed into, you know, what they needed to do. Uh, So finally, four years later, guy was caught. Um, He actually tried to kill his wife and she, she got away from him and called 911 and the rest is history. But um, it's hard to teach school when you're not flexible. I mean, you don't even have time to go to the bathroom when you're teaching, you know? Um, And so, you know, when you'd have a police caller, you'd have to go film a Crime Stoppers episode, or they'd had a cold case TV show one time that we had to go film. It was just tough. I, I took it. I stayed there for a year afterwards, but it was it's so hard to prepare for a sub, especially when you have middle school age kids who tear them apart. You know, they eat them. For oh, yeah. lunch, you know, by by nine thirty in the morning, um, it was just tough, and I didn't feel like I was giving my all to my kids to the, to the kids at school. And I had my own kids. I mean, during this time, Jay was still, you know, trying to develop agencies and I ha- we had two kids, 10 and 14, you know, kids have activities and stuff like that. It was just a lot. Um, and so I, I quit teaching without really knowing what I was going to do, you know, where my place was, where I fit in all this. I knew this stuff that I was doing after work, you know, spending till 10 o'clock doing deposits at the insurance agency or, uh, spending Fourth of July doing bookwork there because nobody else was there, and I could catch up on bookwork and things like that. Um, but you know, I'd gone to school to to get my my PhD, and I had everything done, but my dissertation wasn't finished, um, and all everything just stopped. So um, I joined the agency, um, tried you know just different things, just basically doing the bookwork, doing the books, uh, trying to assist wherever I could. Um, we have a niche market for custom harvesters. Well, the time I quit my job is right when that, that niche market's just ramping up. So then I kind of jumped in and helped with that a little bit. Uh, but, and then we brought in a real estate agency the next year. And so then I helped oversee that, uh, franchise that was in our office. Uh, but I, I just kind of floated around trying to find my footing and trying to figure out where I, I fit in and where where what I knew would, would help. And so it took a while of trying different things. Um, you know, but when you do that, you're not afraid of change. You know, when you go through that, you're not afraid of change. You're not trying, you're not afraid to try something and, and suck at it, you know, cause it's like, okay, try something else. Um, and I think that definitely changes my approach to how I, I work in the office. Um, I'm, you know, sometimes a little quicker to jump off the ledge than somebody else. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know what, what's, what can go wrong? You know, what's, you know, there, there's things worse than, than, than that going wrong. So not everybody that's been that deep and dark, you know, feels that way. So.
1: You know what? It's That's a very interesting perspective and I completely can relate to it from just the psychology behind that. Right. Obviously I've not been through the traumatic experience that you went through, but I mean, I was going back and forth with with one of my friends today who's having some some struggles and and has an agency. And they just said, you know, I've had a dark cloud over my head for the last couple of months. I'm having a hard time focusing. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes you just have to say, get your head out of your rear end and push forward, you know, because it's only an excuse if you allow it to be. Otherwise, it becomes the fuel for the pursuit of your dreams. And where's your focus? You know, you have a wife and kids and all of the things that you should be focusing on, but you're allowing yourself to focus on on the negative piece. And to your point, um, you know, Kyle's seen it firsthand. I don't take long to make decisions at all because I have zero fear of making a bad decision. I know that I'm going to make bad decisions, but I don't want to lose out on opportunity because I take the time to analyze things fifteen different ways and then all of a sudden the door has closed. I'd rather make the mistake, cut bait quick, and move on if it's a mistake. And, and, and I recognize that. So, you know, I think that if you look at a lot of the successful people out there, regardless of industry, every single one of them had some dark period in their life and they emerged from that much stronger and more powerful than when they went in. Definitely. That's that's how I look at it.
2: Right. Well, and like I, you know, I told you when we even talked about being on here today, I said, yeah, I'm not really I'm not a power producer. I don't know that I really fit here. I'm I'm a powerful force, which is not always a positive thing, but eh, not not a producer. But but I definitely, um, you know, I I feel like I am finally, you know, last few years have hit my stride and and know what I'm good at. know where, you know, just even the fact that there's such this these networks. Wow, what I would have done for a network, you know, like even the the groups that we're in, uh, social media groups that have connected us that have turned into some of those hangout groups that, you know, that have the spin-offs that you like you talk about, you know, I'm in a couple of those as well. Um, you know, Jay does a, a call on Monday mornings with another group that he's he's kind of hooked up with, you know, started out as a farm ag agribusiness mentor and you know, just kind of goes from there. Um, you know, gosh, what <laughs> What what all of us would have done with with support like that when we started it it makes a lot of difference. So
1: yeah, it's it's crazy. I do think that it's a lot easier for you to do what we do now and have mentorship available at your fingertips and the experience of people like Jay, quite frankly, that have been doing this forever um, and have that kind of knowledge that you can rely on and that they're open to helping people to giving back to the industry that that's given so much to them. And I think that the conduit of social media has made all of us much, much stronger than we would be on our own. And I mean, part of that too has to do with the fact that you have to have the right, um you have to have the right mindset, right? There's still plenty of jackasses in our industry. Okay. I mean, and I'm not going to throw off on them, but, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's not just limited to our industry, but there are always going to be the people who don't realize that other people deserve as much or more credit for their success than what they should be taking for themselves. And I'm just happy that I'm surrounded with people who don't think that way. And you know, you're know, you going to be a product of the environment that you allow yourself to be formed in. And I've always been a giver to a fault most of the time, um, and, you know, my wife would tell you the same thing. There are so many times that she said, Why are you doing that? My kids told me, well, you know, tell me all the time, why are you doing that? And it's just who I am, you know, and it's probably cost me money. But at the end of the day, I'd rather teach my kids the right way to guide themselves through a properly calibrated moral compass than a full wallet.
3: I was really looking for you to call out all of the jackasses right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will now start with an alphabetical <laughs> list. <laughs> File to follow. Yeah, no kidding. So, talk a little bit about the 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 makeup because I mean, if you go to your website, you guys have what appears to be a significant presence across Kansas, and I even saw that you have a, an office in Nebraska at this point. What do those offices look like? I mean, are they? Kind of, because I know that I, I have different friends who have multiple locations. We have multiple locations, but for all practical purposes, our offices are landing strips with docking stations and dual monitors, and that's it. I don't want people in there. Um, but what, what's that look like? I mean, are these full fledged main street offices? Is it places and, to warehouse producer? The, the
2: Nebraska one today is not. It was it was out of the out of his house, and so that is not. Um, but that will probably. I I continue to think that's probably going to be the next acquisition or, or whatever. Um, And that's on the J side. All I do is try to follow and just try to make it all work and put it together. He comes and says, Hey, this is the deal I'm putting together. And I look at everything and it's like, okay, this is how this is going to fit in. And so, you know, he's, he's big picture. And then I work all the details and try to make it all work and, and get grumpy for a while until like, it's like, okay, this, this, it's all working now um but uh no they really are full-fledged offices now some of them may only have a couple people in them uh, but the majority of them are are larger and, and when i say larger I, I mean maybe like um eight to twelve people in an office um we that two of our offices are are more in that line of of larger uh the rest of them are smaller but they're all you know we started out as a community-based Operation, and there's just so many different models out there. Um, and I will be the first to admit, I think we spend a lot of money on on brick and mortar because we started out as community based, um, and and we still that's our full philosophy. I mean, if you look on our website, you look at our brand book, everything is that we are connected with our community. We hire that way. We look for people that are volunteering in their community. They're 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 Vested in their community. Maybe they have kids in the school district. They're they volunteer at church, stuff like that. When when we go out and and recruit, that's what we're looking for. When our our agents are bringing people to us, saying, "Hey, I think these people would be a good fit." That's where they're finding them, um, and that's why we fit because we're all re- that's how we are, and that's kind of how we recruit. Um, the the virtual and the automation and all that kind of stuff. We're trying to balance the automation in our agency so that what helps us do what we do, not that we want to become an automated agency. What automation can we bring in here to do what we, we do best? Because like I said, we're, we're, we're community-based. Our agents are, are Um, forward-facing. We're part of our communities. We support our communities. We volunteer in our communities. Um, And that's, that's just, that's our brand. That's who we are. Um, And so that's, that's how we we staff our offices is pretty much from in the out of the, those communities. So I'm interested as you guys look, because
1: I mean, all of us have to adapt to a certain level. I mean, I have the benefit of starting my agency at a time where I'm basically started from scratch. So how I started it was basically how it is today in the fact that we have the ability to do virtual and all of the, all of the things that. We're doing specifically with with the situation with COVID right now, but you know, as you and I'm sure that you sat down to look at this as you're putting the pieces together to make sure that things work. As you said, um, how did you approach that? Like, what what was the process that you used to determine? Okay, what are the things that we do want to automate and be able to leverage technology with versus things that are just like, nope, this is a hard no. We're never gonna Automate this or take this away.
2: Uh, good question. Um, I think you know we have two layers. I have. I I always want my offices to have a forward-facing presence, and I want people like like for instance, if an agent brings something to me and says, "Hey, so and so is having this this um, fundraiser. You know, they want to know if we want to donate." My first question, and they always know this, so they're getting a lot better at how they present it to me. My first question is, how are you going to be involved in this? You know, you want me to, to um, sponsor this run. Are you participating in it? Are you going to set up a table? Um, are you going to do video while you're there? Am I going to get some social media out of it? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, because if I'm going to do that, then I think that's a good place for me to, to donate, you know, $100 to my community for, you know, for this, this race or whatever. Um, if they're not going to be involved in it, then it's really not, you know, I have to really just say, okay, I really want to help these people or which sometimes I do. Um, but I, I'm trying to look for, okay, how how are we going to do that? So a lot of them, you know they'll now they're getting to where they'll send it to me, and they say, hey, this opportunity's come up. I really can't go. Nobody else in the office can go. I don't know if you want to do anything with it or not, you know, but I still wanted to present it to you. So they, they know,
1: wow, that's a real tough sales job there. I mean, come on, So you got to make them work for it a little bit. At the top no,
2: but because they know that that's my first question is what's going to be your role in this. And so they're telling me up, up front, you know, this is what one I'm sending you, but I'm not really going to be involved in it. Cause they know that that's going to change how I feel about it a, a little bit. Um, not completely, but a little bit of it. I mean, there's certain amount of money that we're going to donate back to the community, no matter what, you know, that's just who we are. Um, But so I'm always going to have those forward facing people. But what we've started to do with the technology is if there's some things on the back office end, for instance, if I have, you know, quoting issues like we're, you know, I have people in an office that are are getting, you know, bogged down with quoting and and the, the amount of business. I may put somebody in my Manhattan office to back them up, not necessarily out there, but somebody here who is responsible for backing them up. And so I'm I'm filling out you know, that back office and, you know, this process is not necessarily adding people into a, a location. And so that way I can do that more efficiently. I can maybe hire a VA or somebody here, uh, for instance, the outside sales agents, if they have personalized, personalized quoting, they send it here to Manhattan and then we have VAs that will quote that up for them and then we send it back out. So that's how we're using the automation and maybe building out, you know, that, that step, Um, to be able to support the, you know, we're kind of the hub. That's why I always tell people we're the hub of the wheel, you know, and all these people are our spokes out into the community. And so any automation that I look at, I look at how, you know, I can take that pressure off so that they can do what they need to do there. And then there's, you know, whatever technology or virtual, you know, assistance or anything like that, that I can help, you know, make sure that they can do their job.
3: So along the lines of technology, do you guys use a CRM?
2: We use agency zoom right now. Um, and we're, we're gradually trying to build that out to be a better pipeline, uh, system for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not integrated it into our agency management system yet just because and actually, um, Casey McKinney that from Yakima insurance partners, I've been working with him to put together a webinar to train because he's, you know, right in there. He's helping Tolga, you know, do some of the development, the working on the glitches and things like that. And so when we started agency zoom, I was probably one of the first adopters of it. And all we used it as was to replace the, the sheet, the production sheet that this, the agents had a Google doc or whatever that they were sharing with me. And, and so I replaced that portion with agency zoom so that they were constant, you know, it's a game format, you know, it's a competition format. And so, you know, somebody would say, oh, you know, so-and-so just wrote this, but then everybody's seeing, oh, they're using this company, you know, or this is hitting. Um, So I love that part of it, but that's really the most we're using it for. And now we're trying to put it into an actual, you know, use the pipeline part of it because I'm also using agency revolution but it, the only reason I have that is because that's really the only comprehensive system that integrated with AMS 360.
3: Well, if you're looking for help th- with integrating it with your agency management system, David is the one to talk to. Absolute, <laughs> absolute uh, breeze. Evolution
2: or agency Zoom?
3: <laughs> Any of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, that like tongue in cheek sarcasm
1: kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Very, very. It, yeah, my, my, my legitimate question was when you put agency Zoom in, did you have a drop down in the referral source
2: place for sweatshirt guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, although I have you definitely should some new drop downs just to, you know, to try to fill some of the, the answers that they usually were used to giving. Um,
3: how do they react what, to some of that stuff? Like, I mean, it seems like he obviously thinks outside the box, and I mean, not all producers are early adapters. Like, what, what like, what do you find? If people, do you find that people start like taking pictures of sweatshirt guy and 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 like adopting that type of thought process. Well, or you know it,
1: what? My, listen, I'm guilty of that. My wife would tell you that, like, I embarrass her. Okay, and it, it, it's I'm I'm not embarrassing. It's not like I take my well, shirt off and do the truffle shuffle in you know somebody's office or whatever, but. You know, at the same time, you know when you, I, I just think that guys like Jay are wired that way. It's in their DNA, and I'm yeah. exactly the same way. I never meet a stranger, yeah. And everything is a business opportunity to me. At some point, yeah. like I'm going to give you here the the number one example. I mean, and listen, my wife is brash, New Jersey. Like she has never met a stranger either. You know, they say opposites attract. We are not anywhere close to opposites. We are literally the same person, just one's male and one's female. (laughs) Every household is supposed to have a spender and a saver. Not a chance. We both (laughs) blow money like it's water. You know, it's just so, you know, it makes for an interesting dynamic, but whatever. Um, But she does. She gets embarrassed when I do stuff like that. So we have a client right now that is a child care facility that is where my kids go to school. And so we had to go over when Ethan was um, getting ready to get introduced to the normal school system. We had to go over and have a conference with the lady who owns the, the child care facility. And my wife's like, hey, come on, we're going to be late. We need to get out. He's like, hold on, I got to pull the mod before we go over here for this meeting. And she said, pull the what? And I said, I got to pull the mod so I can see what's going on. And so... I pulled the mod because it was a multi-location deal. I figured it's probably going to be all right. And by the way, I'm giving them money. It's time for them to yeah. give me some, you know? <laughs> so um, we uh, we went into the meeting and we're getting ready to wrap up. And I said, listen, I'm, I just, I wanted to tell you, congratulations. I noticed that your experience mod has dropped to a point eight six this year. And the lady who owns the place said, what? And I said, your, your experience mod for your workers' compensation. I'm sorry. It's a habit that I have, you know. I always like to know what's going on with the people that I'm going to be talking to if they're business owners. And that's really good. And I said, but I noticed that the carrier that you're with, when I checked on the Department of Financial Services website, isn't one that offers a dividend for you. And you should be able to have more money back in your program because you have good performance. And she said, well, nobody's ever told me that before. And I said, listen, you know, that's something that we can help you with. It's... so anyhow, we
3: is just face palming the whole time. She
1: was, she was ready. <laughs> She's like, I think she literally tried to get up and walk out. of <laughs> I, I left with the AOR. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I like if I wouldn't have stopped to do that, I wouldn't have gotten it. But I mean, even like when we go to the Keys, you know, she'll tell you I'm the mayor of Hogs Breath Saloon at Key West when we're down there because I'll be sitting there. And, and it's funny because they have the raw bar cam that like. So we'll have people that are virtually toasting us and all of this stuff. They're watching us sit at the, the thing at Hog's Breath. But like one time we went down there and I had like six people around me and I'm just holding court talking about, you know, workers comp and total cost of risk and all this. I had a hog farmer, a guy who owns a trucking company, a guy that was in the fuel business from different states. And every single one of them, I there was still a have a hog their-
3: farmer at Hog's Breath?
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. What are the chances? Very- <laughs> so yeah, actually I never even thought about that. So <laughs> you just said it. But, you know, it's crazy because I still have their business cards and actually connected on social media. We interact. I don't do anything at all from a, an insurance standpoint with them. But they are people that if they were to come to me for advice because of what you said earlier and what the Internet's allowed to happen, I know that I have people in those geographies that I can introduce them to that would take every bit as good a care of them as what we do. But yeah. it, it's, it's funny because, you know, when you're a producer, you're a producer, Period. End of story. Like you just—that's—that's that's all you know. I had a guy. I had a guy that worked with us. Unfortunately, he's not here anymore. He was having a hard time. Like I mean, it's not always rainbows and unicorns on on our side of the fence. But um, he was having a hard time, and and I never would have expected that to happen. But we went out to do to ride around and do marketing drops together one day, and we stopped at a Cuban place to get a sandwich. And it turns out that the guy that's in line in front of us, I see on his shirt that he works for a garage door company. And so immediately, you know, this is a very popular restaurant. So you're waiting 15, 20 minutes for your sandwich to be made because there's literally 100 or more people in there. We just start the conversation like, man, garage door installation, what's that like? And he's like, well, you know, I actually have a pretty cool company. We do custom garage doors. This is not Stuff like you would get in a normal house. Some of them are fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. And I've got the manufacturing facility here and I also have a location in Colorado. I'm like, wow. I said, I gotta believe that your insurance is so much cheaper in Colorado. He said, actually, no, it's not. Let me tell you what. So we're like going back and forth. We get to the end, guy gives me his card. He said, Give me a call, man. I'd really like to do business with you. Right now I'm with Cover Wallet and I don't have any kind of a relationship. I'm like, what? What? You just bought your insurance from a third party over the internet. Why? Because it was easier. But he didn't want to. You know, we as agencies sometimes miss out on business because we don't make it easy for people to do business. Now, I'm not advocating that you move to everything fully automated. I, I don't I don't subscribe to that theory. I mean, there's agencies out there that literally 100% of their processes are automated. And that's great if that's what works for them. I'm not going to knock them by any stretch. They're guys that are way smarter than what I am. What I do is I still, you know, look people in the eye, shake their hand, put on a shirt and tie and thank them for their business. And that's a part of my DNA that will, will never go away. So I, I, I'm a whole, wholeheartedly with you in having to sort of go through that thought process of what are we willing to automate versus right. what still requires that human
2: interaction. You know, I don't care what system it is. I mean, when I get stuff, I know it's automated and I, you know, you don't want your people to feel that way. We had a comment, you know, just even like sending out birthday cards, you know, you have that automated and uh, we were at a, I don't know a, somebody's graduation party or something like that and said, Yeah, I get these emails from Bonda, but you know, I'm sure it's not Bonda. I said, you know what? I said, if you reply back to me on that, I said I'll reply back to you because, and he did, and and we did that, and because he said thank you, and I said, oh, I'm glad. I said, did you have a great day? And he goes, oh my gosh, it really is you. So they know it's automated, but yet at the same time, sometimes you have to tell them, hey, you know, we're still a part of that, and not everybody can do that. Um, But it's hard you don't want to lose that, that personal touch so much. And it's not always, I guess, automation. It, it exposes your weaknesses. Oh my gosh. And so, does it. you know, if you have something in the system, like in our old AMS system, you know, we had somebody that had put some notes in like somebody somebody's name, you know, or something like in parentheses farm policy, you know, in their name. So then you get this automated email before it's going to go out. You pull it and you pull the the preview and it's and it's got that in the in the, um, you know, dear James farm policy, you know, or something like that. And you're like, oh, my God. Or yeah, or could be much
1: worse. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, knowing my crew, it could be way worse yeah. than farm
2: policy. And so. It, it exposes your weaknesses. And so you have to really be careful where you're going to allow that, that automation into where you feel comfortable to where it's not going to do more harm than good. Um, and there's just so much out there. Um, I did a Excel spreadsheet the other day. I saw it on one of the websites and I don't even remember where, and unfortunately I don't remember who, but they had just done a technology stack list and so I'm like, hmm, I need to do that, a, you know, a little bit more forcefully. So I created my technology stack, um, and I, I'd already been kind of mentally doing this for the last year. Because when I had gone to some of these last conventions a couple of years ago, I'm like, I go through the vendors. It's like, no, here's what I have. Will this do something like that? Because if this will, I don't need that. Because it's you just get to a point where you're like, oh, somebody's using this. I like that. I'm going to subscribe to that. Oh, somebody's doing this, and you have to really start. You know, number one, watching your money go out, um, and number two, you have to make sure it, it fits with you. It's it'd be maybe doing great for somebody else, but that doesn't mean that it's it's fits for you. And so I've tried to look. Here's my tech stack. This is what I already have. This is what I'm paying for. Will this replace something? Will it enhance something? Um, can I get rid of something if I replace it with this? Um, I'm always constantly looking for something that will integrate. Because if it doesn't integrate, I am, I refuse to make my people have to do double entry. That's just, there's, that's, I I can't do that to them. That would stress me out. And so I'm not going to do that to them.
3: It's not only a waste of time, but it's also, you know, chance for human error of course. So.
2: Right. And so, you know, I, I, I have that technology stack. I have a file on my desktop and I go back and I look at it, you know, and I analyze it and, otherwise you just it, it can build up really fast and then you have a lot of money going out it's like podium you know we talked about podium um, I love podium I, I I like it even better than if somebody goes into my website and fills out a form there but the the, the beauty of podium is um, right when somebody goes to your website that that little chat box pops up and so it it's the first thing they see really because you know they see your' your website of how it's, you know, formatted either on the web or on the, on your phone. But then this little chat thing pops up and then, you know, a lot of them just naturally gravitate to that because that's instant. Um, And then we try to have it, you know, everybody's supposed to have podium open on their, their desktop as a tab at the same time. Um, I've got the app on my phone. So I try to watch it like after hours, like if somebody comes in at eight o'clock at night. Hey, they come in too.
1: Trust me. It's nuts because I have, a very uh, infrequently talked about e-commerce business that has a chat widget. It's not podium mm-hmm. at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like people will go on there. And I mean, you know, I used to get irritated because I'm so set in my ways that I, I just, sometimes it takes a few times for me to open my mind and think, you know what, maybe this person really just doesn't realize
2: that we're He's sleeping. actually really going to. Yeah. Or, or they think that like if it's there, he's actually, or I think what a lot of people think is that you have an outsourced to where it's not really a real person. That's in that local organization because a lot of them are really shocked because some of them will say, is this Vonda? You know, cause they'll figure out after I've answered back and forth and they're like, Oh wow. I, you know, I had no idea because they really felt like it was just, you know, a third party that you're paying after hours, which some people do, um, you know, here it's me. You call our phone, any of our branch phone numbers after hours, If you hit the one for claims, emergency claim support, you'll get my cell phone. And uh, that's just how we are right now. I haven't turned that over anywhere Um, just because we're in a lot. Like I said, we're community based. That would be tough. It's frustrating for me to call a carrier at 10 o'clock at night and not be able to get anywhere. You know, I, I sat on a phone call with one carrier one night for 45 minutes trying to report a really bad fire. And then I got disconnected. And then when I got back in, they're like, well, we can't see anything else. All we can do is start a new claim number. Like, no, 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 I don't want two claim numbers. That's going to be a disaster. And so I, you know, I was so frustrated by the time that was done. I do not want that to be the customer experience that our, our people have. And so for now, number one still goes to me. Um, and Podium, you know, I can assign it out to somebody. Um, I've, I've tried to encourage the agents to use it. You know, if you have somebody that hits you up at a ball game. And they tell you something or they text you an ID number or something, forward it into Podium. Use that text number to forward it into Podium because then we've got a record of it. We can assign it out and nobody forgets about it. Um, So we even use it, you know, because like I said, you know, you get you're at a ball game and somebody comes up and says, oh, hey, I traded cars, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Or they tell you something and they expect you to remember it. You know, hey, you know, I need to have a hail claim. I need to turn in on my, you know, my wheat. Um, and they remember, they, you know, expect you to remember that. And so it's like, Hey, use that app to, to just forward it, text it to that number instead of texting it to somebody else who then they forget about it. Um, because it's 12 hours before they're going to go be back at work. Um, you know, we, we use it kind of as a backup for that too. Um, they just started the video that we're doing the beta test on the video portion of it. Oh, what's that look like? It's, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, We've had some issues with it, you know, because, like I said, we're beta testing it. But it's- but I mean, what are they what are they trying to do with it? I, I don't even, I haven't even heard I mean, this what the you first time. Of- is is there's a little plus sign on the window if they have that turned on for you? There's a little at the lower left hand corner. There's a little plus that you can turn the video on. So if you start chatting, somebody mm. back
3: like a little video and chat. You just
2: really want to you know face to face with them. You can just instantly turn it into a video chat, and for them, if they're on their phone. It'll, it'll just pull up the camera on their phone if they're on a desktop, hmm. you know, whatever camera they have on their desktop, and then you can just video chat with them. And so, that's interesting. Yeah. So, eventually, I mean... eventually, the plan is to put a pay button in there. So then you, oh. you can even just like, you could go, you know, you talked about, you know, sitting in your pool, you know, you can have your phone and, you know, video chat, say, here, and we send you a pay button, and then here, you're going to do this, and here's a DocuSign to go along with it, and boom, done. And I'm you know, my burgers are done.
1: Well, <laughs> so now is the time where we pause for Kyle to make a sarcastic comment about a video chat with me in my pool.
3: You know, I was going to leave it alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I mean, that's 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 really interesting uh, progression in how they're doing that. So if they put the pay button in, are they trying to create their own pay solution or are they going to integrate with like, ePay policy or simply easier payments or one of those? I don't don't know the
2: answer to that. I guess I assumed they would have their own pay solution, but I don't know. We use ePay policy, so it would be nice if we could integrate ours that we already have. Um, I I don't know. I haven't seen anything more on that. I just know that that's intriguing enough to me that I I like the features of that. Um, I like the, the, I like their connection with Google right now, to be quite honest. They're, you know, they are very, they're a Google company, so that's going to help you on the reviews and things like that. I was going to ask you, how has it – so my my um,
1: perception of the miraculous powers of Podium are influenced by the raving fandom of John Spoggy because I can remember when we were at Brainshare back in October how many, where yeah. he was and where
2: he's at now. It's yeah. insane. But see, the, the whole irony of this is we're not even really using it for that. That's just the extra bonus right now. We are just using it as a a really awesome way to be able to chat with our clients and be able to, you know, the ridiculous part is AMS 360 has a chat feature. You can't send attachments. How ridiculous is that to have a chat system in a management system that you can't do attachments with. So that's why we just tend to gravitate towards podium. Uh, Number one, podium gives you alerts. AMS 360 really doesn't. Um, You can manage it. You can transfer it. And then they get an alert. Uh, You can send attachments. They can send you pictures. Um, You know, if somebody has an accident and they need to text pictures, we tell everybody to give them this phone number because the CSR doesn't really want to give them their cell phone number. You know, we don't want them to do that. And so we we just use that for however it makes sense to make it easy for our customers to communicate with us.
1: I'm interested as to how much of that communication is personal lines versus commercial.
2: A lot of it is personal lines right now. There's some commercial use. It just depends on, I think it depends on the, 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 the CSR, the, the, the individual person. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the commercial people on there. I see a lot of the personal lines giving information back and forth. Uh, I think it's just commercial it just
0: more
3: complex it, questions there's just, probably yeah, there's
2: just a lot more layers on some of the things that they're doing i think they're more apt to, to just pick up the phone and call and say hey right. you know, describe this to me i'm trying to put this narrative together or you know what does this piece do and what part of the process is this you know so i haven't seen a, it's not that it wouldn't work it would so
1: yeah no the reason why i just that was not necessarily i was, it was more just out of your interest yeah. than anything else we have done, or I personally have done nil to grow our personal lines. So we grow by accident right now. I mean, truthfully, and it's nuts, but I mean, we get probably between five and 10 leads inbound a day and I haven't lifted a finger. I haven't done anything at all. Most of them come from people who go to a carrier's website and it's a find an agent thing, and for whatever reason, we're always first on the list. So I'm not gonna, you know, turn that business down. And and it's usually relatively easy business to write. But as we as I make the decision as to whether or not I'm gonna try and expand personal lines, then, you know, like anything else, if I do it, I'm all in, you know, and I'm my biggest concern that I have more than anything else is what you alluded to earlier with the fact that As you automate processes, it exposes weaknesses. So we officially launched Personal Lines back in really July 1st of last year. And when we launched it shortly after, I ran... I'm in Nick Ayer's Made You Look video marketing program. And and we ran an ad for BMW uh, owners. And I'm not going to go into the gory details of it, but... Uh, because we had a lot of success. I wrote a lot of commercial business because I found out by accident that those people drive BMWs. And so my nature is once I find out that you own a business, you can forget about the BMW. I'm on that commercial piece like a dog on a bone. And I, that, that's where I went with it. But we had like 120 or 130 leads come in over the course of a week. And you know we use HubSpot for our CRM. We thought we had the automations dialed in completely underestimated the amount of follow up that we were going to have to do with these people. And so, you know, while we had success, I also had a pretty significant amount of frustration because, you know, I'm not used to having to go and call somebody five or six times or text them or do all of this, you know, and it goes back to what I said before. Sometimes you have to open your mind and think about things from the other person's perspective. This guy was just going to watch a stupid cat video or dude perfect on YouTube. And it just so happens that my BMW owner's ad popped up. He's like, oh, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I'll answer these five or six questions on the survey real quick. And by the way, let me go watch him do the uh, you know, the archery challenge on Dude Perfect or whatever. And he's right back to doing it. And I'm thinking, dude, you just filled out the survey. Like, what what's the deal? You know, we got the lead, we called you right away. So, I mean, some of that is things we've had to work through, but we're in the process right now of just really doing everything we can to make sure that the process portion of it is set up in a way to where I can open the floodgates again. And so COVID has helped us with that. We've actually been able to slow down and look at, okay, if if this happens, how are we going to handle it in the Valrico office? How are we going to handle it in the Lutz office? And we've made some modifications to where we're able to, to do those things. So I'm ready to just about ready to pull the trigger. And podium has been on my short list of technology that I want to buy anyhow. So the fact that they're looking at doing stuff with the video and everything like that, yeah. the only thing that I the, the only box that I need to check with those guys is whether or not there's an integration with HubSpot, whether it's direct or through Zapier. Um, so that's a conversation I'm going to have this week. And I know I'll have it this week because they call me about 10 times a week because I gave them my contact information. Well, the
2: nice part about both podium and agency zoom is it just seems like that support people behind them are very open to modifying things. They're like, well, let's look into this. I'm going to send this to the development team. I'm going to talk about this and, and maybe this will happen. And, And they really do make it happen. It's, it's just, I appreciate that. Um, And I think it's because they're, they're more, you know, they're a newer, newer platform, things like that. Um, And so I I appreciate the fact that, you know, when somebody says, oh, I'm going to go tell Tolga that this isn't working and, you know, we're going to work on a workaround and and see if we can make this come through better. uh, We put off our training to, to do all the full integration and bring everybody back in on the pipeline training until they get that glitch worked out. And then as soon as they have it worked out, then, you know, then we'll, we'll, do a training and, and go full full bore on it and take it to the next level, and so I'm kind of excited about that. But you know, I think the COVID for here, I feel bad because I feel guilty is what I feel. Um, everybody's experience has been so different in this as an agency, and for me, it was almost what I needed, um, which is terrible. Um,
1: I think if all of us were to step back and look at it, every single one of us would answer that question the exact same way.
2: If we were being honest. Exactly. Which I'm sorry that that sounds so bad, Um, you know, because it really is true. You know, when they said that we're, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. You know, there's, I just had a conversation uh, yesterday with a couple of people that are in my, my smaller hangout group. Um, And there's two of them that are stressed to the max because they have small kids. So they're having to juggle, you know, small kids and, and they're stressed to the max. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm zoning here because it, the quiet has helped me so much. Uh, Because the other, you know, tragedy that we had to come back from was two years ago in at Memorial weekend, uh, Jay jumped on one of his Harleys to go to our neighbors for a, you know, fire pit evening. I had, I don't know what I had done during the day, but I was just, my brain was dead. I didn't want to go. So I didn't go. And he had this horrendous, he was driving over there on his motorcycle. He was waiting to make a left-handed turn. And this kid who had already had like two rear end accidents in the last six months prior to this, didn't see him just plowed right into the back of him. And so he airlifted. Um, They actually spent that, whole night until about three o'clock in the morning working the scene because they thought it was going to be a fatality accident. It was very ugly. Um, So again, life stops and you, you know, you have to reevaluate. Um, And so uh, I followed the helicopter to the near the next town where they were taking him to the trauma center. I didn't come back to work full time until probably that was Memorial weekend until maybe September, October, uh, wow. October, probably mostly full time. Cause that's when I finally felt like I could leave him alone during the day, um, by himself. But, you know, man, I, I packed up my office and I worked out of a hospital room for, you know, about five weeks and then it was home mm. with rehab and stuff like that. Um, and so for me, I had not been able to catch up. I mean, our staff was amazing. They kept everything running like it needed to run. They would open the mail. They would bring me stuff. They would take stuff back. Uh, Jay had his harvester business that had most of them were on the road by then. And in, you know, everything was going. Uh,
1: how much med, how much med mal did Jay write at that time to the various doctors that were coming in to uh, take care of No,
2: Not a whole lot. You know, he really uh-huh. probably did not really come down off the head injury until probably that fall. I mean he was wow. he was trying to be involved at times towards the end but but um
1: was, I can't even imagine. I mean that's wild. my biggest fear. Uh was, you know I've I, I've got a Harley yeah. and that's my that's my biggest fear yeah. is the person who doesn't see you. And I you know it doesn't matter how big you are. Like if somebody's not paying attention, right. You could be wearing bright clothing, you could have a, a a spotlight shining on, doesn't matter. Yeah careless drivers. I mean, it's just, it, it scares me to death. I mean, that's what I mean. Not
2: been on one since, but it's not because he doesn't wish he could, you know, that's still the goal for him is to get back on one. I myself will have difficulty getting back on it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's who he is. You know, he's been on him since he was four. Um, but he, he, it was a hard comeback for him. And, you know, I literally packed up my office and I was mobile. Um, And so for me, man, I went through boxes that I hadn't, you know, gone through for a long time. And so I finally felt through this COVID time that I could breathe for the last two years. So Mm. as guilty as I feel about that, it was it was a time period that that I I am still, you know, taking advantage of that. Uh, Plus, I hired, you know, more help sometimes my problem is I feel like I could do that better than this person, you know, so I want to do this. Um, and you get to a point where you just can't. And so I've had to mm-hmm. pass some things off that it kills me because then I still look at it and I think, Ugh, that's not how I would have done it. Um, but you know, it was necessary. And so that the staff did a great job, but then a year later I'm like, Oh crap, this really maybe wasn't running as well as I thought, you know, I was putting some stuff off and, maybe not doing what I needed to do. And so during this time period, we kind of, I've kind of gotten on top of some of those things that, you know, even just looking at my tech stack and saying, okay, where am I at right now? Uh, it really allowed me that time. Um, and we were in the office the whole time. Um, that was a, uh, you know, we made that as a, a group. Uh, we have a weekly zoom meeting uh, with our staff and, um, and we help, and we have done that ever since Zoom was a thing. Um, and so that was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kick out our outside people, and we're just going to keep our inside people, uh, because in most of our offices that meant one or two people in each location. But here it made it. There was about eight of us, but we have 4,500 square feet to spread out in. So it still, it still worked. Um, and I think for my staff, you know, I was on pins and needles the whole time because I'm like, oh, please don't let me become a you know, a hot spot. you know, where we have four cases start or whatever, but, but we were very conservative. We have people that worked at home, you know, the, the automation, you know, that we talk about, even though we're very community facing, you know, we had the automation in place to be able to send people home and to work from home. We had the, the VoIP phone system. We have the, everything in the cloud. We have, you know, everybody, it, it functioned well even though we we were here in the office except for the two days we had to leave because the city shut our water off to do sewer work because they thought that when everybody was closed it was a great time to do that so then everybody really did work from home um but we had people that were home with their kids you know and and um but we talked about it and they're like you know we think this is the only thing that kept us sane was that we had a place to go you know we had a reason to get up at the same time in the morning and get dressed and shower and kind of routine, even though when we went home at night, nothing was routine. Um, mm-hmm. so I, we think that, you know, that kind of helped us survive that. And we were busy. Oh my gosh, we were so busy because, um, that's our busy time anyway. You know, all the cities are renewing and the, the, um, the, the harvester business, all the work comp renews for one. So, I mean, we were like madly, madly busy. Um, so.
1: Why's that? Why's the work comp all renewed for one? Because that's
2: how we designed it. Because oh, okay. they leave to go south to Texas to start the wheat harvest down in Texas and, and they leave in May. And so um, they're already gone. If you don't have it all renewed, then you're, you're trying to chase them all over the United States. So that was by design when it was set up that way that everybody had a, uh, a renewal date of 4 1.
1: Interesting. So do you guys have that set up on individual policies or is it a program that you administer? Is it a captive?
2: What does that look like? It's looked like it's looked very different over the last 20 years. It's been a captive. Um, It's no longer a captive right now. Uh, It's had a special program right now where we're kind of in flux because we had uh, one program that has had it for almost 20 years. They, they left the market because they've had a, a change in ownership at the carrier site. Uh, They got bought out by the Fosun group. That's a Chinese group. It was one of the ways that they were coming into the the insurance market in the United States. And it changed. They changed totally. Um, They're what they focused on. So they were no, they got rid of a lot of their programs. And so we've had to redo the pro a lot of the program components this year. So that, that work comp program is a program that we put together, uh, with a new carrier. Um, it's on admitted paper. It's not a captive at this point. Um, but it's, you know, we've been doing this for Jay's been doing it since he hit the mark, you know, his, his dad had custom harvesters when he got there, we actually still have one of those still on the books that his dad started back in the day. And so the guy doesn't go out very much, you know, he just says, his own and a few of the neighbors out there. But this year we thought he'd, he'd finally retire and he's like, Oh no, I'm going to go for a couple more years. So anyway, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a market that Jay knows really well. Uh, so when we go to put the programs together, there's certain aspects of the, you know, things like fire in the field that you wouldn't know that that was an issue, <laughs> but you need to have that on there. Uh,
1: no, what I've heard is that if I ever somehow emit hog's breath in Key West, and I run into a harvester, I know who I'm going to send it to. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Listen, we're at an hour. You have been very, very gracious with your time. I feel like I had to twist your arm to get on here. <laughs> and you said you didn't think you were a power producer. I would tell you after hearing your story, you're probably the strongest individual we've had on the show. So we are very, very thankful to, uh, to hear that story. I think that there are people out there who are definitely going to want to reach out to you uh, just for advice, if nothing else, um, you know, I'm a better person an hour later for hearing what you've been through. And I will complain about a lot less, you know, at least for the next 24
2: yeah. hours. You know, <laughs> gratitude is the name of the game. So,
1: well, listen, tell everybody how to get a hold of Yvonda before we let you go.
2: You know what? Probably the best way to get a hold of me is you can go to copelandins.com, uh, hit her on podium, on hit, him podium. On the, hit her on the I podium. Hit me there. <laughs> you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on social media. Uh, Email is Vonda at CopelandINS.com.
1: Good deal. Well, listen, thank you very much for spending some time with us. Really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your story. And uh, I look forward to seeing continued success for you and Jay and even more look forward to seeing the picture of him back on the Harley. Yeah. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for taking time. All right.
2: Thanks a lot. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bonda. You've been
0: listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level. Next level. Check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.